It's great to be here this morning. It really is. Uh, it's such a joy to share the Word of God. Um, I'm not, uh, I, I normally don't share in English, so uh, if I slip a Spanish word in there here and there by accident or can't remember an English word, you guys need to, need to help me here and there. Uh, this has been, these have been difficult times that we've been coming through, and I really want to share this morning from my heart things that the Lord has been showing me during this pandemic, things that I've learned not, not only to, to kind of get me through the, the pandemic and get me through these difficult times, but I think to prepare us for, and to prepare myself and the church for what's, what's, on, what's on the horizon. And I do believe that part of what's on the horizon could be uh, more difficult times now with uh, what's going on in Ukraine and the, the inflation and different things that are happening in the world. We don't know what's up next, but even during the pandemic, I don't know about you, but I found that in, in, in my life and in the church, it seemed to be coming in, in pairs, and it, it wasn't only the pandemic itself and being shut in and the effect it had on the church, but health issues and family issues with the kids, with the mar- with marriages, uh, the uh, economy being uh, shaken up, and so many things that that affected our lives during this time. But the, I think my big question to the Lord, and I'm not sure, but I have uh, heard a lot of folks thinking that this could only be the beginning of of sorrows, the beginning of difficult times. But that that even when I first came to the Lord during the Jesus movement, uh, we, we always expected it to be back in the 70s that it was pretty much going to be the end of the world. Uh, so I've been preparing for the end of the world for about 50 years now, uh, and it hasn't come yet. So I, I don't, I, we, we could be in the end times, but I guess we've been in the end times for 2,000 years to one degree or another. Uh, but I really believe that the times ahead, if they are going to be more difficult, that only excites me because I think it's going to be great times for the church. Uh, even even at the when I f- first read the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, uh, I realized early on that when we have to go through fiery trials, when we have to go through that that um, oven, I want to say horno de fuego, but that that oven of trials, uh, that that fiery furnace that what happens to us is we come out on the other side with our bounds burned off and not even smelling of smoke. That's what, that's what God has for us. And I, and I know that as during this time, there's been, what's really been revealed is, uh, in, in our society, especially in the United States, not so much in Ecuador. Really, it's, it's interesting how countries that are kind of used to dictatorships, countries that are a little more left-leaning like Ecuador, everybody just kind of bows their head and obeys. So we have like 85% vaccination. Nobody ever fought anything. We were shut down from like 2.30, from 6 o'clock in the morning till 2.30 in the afternoon is all you could go out for three months. And the whole country was shut down. No flights could come in and no flights could come out for three months. And then from Friday at 2.30 till Monday at 6 in the morning, no one could even walk on the streets. You couldn't go outside of your house. You couldn't even walk around the block. And everybody joyfully 
participated, which is kind of strange, uh, even, even for me after living there for 33 years. But I noticed that, that in the States, as I noticed, there's so much polarization. So many churches have been impacted. And I think it's something that we, that we have to deal with that the Lord is really dealing with. It says that judgment will come, but judgment will begin with the house of God. And I think God wants to teach us things as we come out of the pandemic and ask ourselves what we learned. Ask ourselves where we grew, where we, where we developed, and where we learned things in the Lord. And I, I, I found out one thing in my life. As I go through trials in the Lord, I almost always don't do real well. Uh, as I look back, I go, you know, I, I, I was just re- recently thinking about it. I, I always do pretty bad during trials. In the beginning... And in the middle, and then kind of near the end, I start doing better. And then I realize that that's what trials are for. Uh, a, a trial comes, and it is a trial, because God wants to do something in our lives. So He allows trials to come in our lives so we can grow, so we can develop. So we kind of don't do that well, but it's because God's giving us His grace and teaching us to come out on the other end brighter and better and closer to Him and more full of His grace. And I, I, that scripture, we just have to keep reminding ourselves, His grace is sufficient for me. And, and, and it is sufficient for us. It, it's, it's been a real blessing. So I want, to tell, I want to talk about a little bit about what I learned during this time about hope. One of the big things that the Lord put in my mind, and I think we really need now, Coming into what we're going to is, is to, is to examine what our hope is. What a great message for a church named Living Hope. Uh, and I, I, I think the Lord wants to ask us this morning what we're really hoping for and maybe teach us a little bit about how we can restore hope, renew hope in our lives. You know, when, when I've, when I've gone through trials, it was a few years ago, and Ecuador's got all kinds of crazy laws. For example, motorcycles always have the right-of-way. You can, yeah, a motorcycle, if a motorcycle crashes into you, it's your fault. And you have to go to jail. So about a few years ago, the Lord warned me. He said, because I, 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 one of my weakest areas, I go through the fruits of the Spirit and I read, Patience, it's like, not so good in that one. Um, Maryland's had to do all our banking for the last 33 years because uh, banks in Ecuador are filled with long lines and are really frustrating. You go in there to, when we first arrived in Ecuador, I'm going to deposit our money, and it's like, well, you need three recommendations. It's like, wait, wait, I'm going to deposit my money in your bank. It's like, no, you still need three people to say that you're, you know, have a good reputation. It's like, Never mind, walked out. So Maryland had to do all that because so, I thought maybe I might. I definitely would have lost my t- uh, testimony and maybe might have hurt somebody. Uh, the lines, were, the lines are always really long in the banks. So I, it's been one of my weaker areas. So when the Lord told me He was going to give me patience, I really since I, I was warned and I was happy. I had to renew my visa, and that took like. I'd been there for like 28 years, and I had to renew my visa. 
And after, after living there for that long, you would think you'd take in your old passport, put in your new passport. They moved the stamp from, you know, one passport. But it took one year to renew my visa. And I had to go like a half hour out of town. And when you go there, there's guards everywhere in Ecuador. And the, and the guards, the guards and the staff and the people renewing visas, they really, there's kind of a, an attitude towards now I get to order a North American around. And they really enjoy it. So you go in and the guard goes, stand over there and you go stand and he goes a little bit further back. No, that's too far back. Okay, right there. And then afterwards, like, take a seat and you sit down. No, no, not there. Next row, a little bit over there. Yeah, you're good. It's like, wow. Go in and hand in, hand in your paperwork. And there's a, the guy sitting down on a counter and the, the counter's up to, up to about here and put the paperwork on the counter and he goes like this. Had to lift it up and put it on his hand. And, uh, man. And I was able, because, because the Lord warned me, I was able to go, thank you very much. Really appreciate your service. Um, really uh, appreciate working here in Ecuador. Love you guys. And, uh, and, and it really went smoothly. Although I had to go back about five times over a space of a year. And, and, and then shortly thereafter, after I got my visa ready to go, Driving home with Marilyn, and a motorcycle crashed into me. The guy went skidding across the street, hit his head on the curb. His, he had some kind of cheap helmet, and it like shattered into pieces. He was laying on the street, did not move a muscle. Called the ambulance. The police came. They put me in the back of the police car, drove me to the police station, gave me a blood analysis and a breath analysis, and took me to the to the... Uh, the other took me, then they took me to jail where they were going to put me in, in jail until, to see, until the guy came out of the hospital. And it was like, wow. Everybody coming from the church, anybody who had connections with the government, with the government were there. They were calling all the police. They were calling the, the uh, mayor. They were, you know, like, you can't have John go to jail. It's like, no, we can't have this. Yeah, you know, he's an old man. Who knows what's going to happen there? And he was like, no, no, no. But by coincidence, the day before, I just had been diagnosed with, with gallstones and was scheduled for surgery. And so it was like, everybody tried. And I was just sitting there patiently, wasn't saying a word. And, it, and the grace of God, more and more coming on me. And then the guy goes, well, it's time to go in, sorry, and I said, well, and, and it just suddenly dawned on me, it's like, oh, I've got all my paperwork, all the exams, and the schedule for the surgery, maybe I should tell them about that, so I said, you know, I'm scheduled for surgery, like, tomorrow, and uh, I don't know, you know, I've got a lot of gallstones, something could happen while I'm in jail, so you might want to call your boss. So he calls his supervisor, and they said, "Oh, yeah, we don't want to put him in jail." And they, so they said, I, "We we we, had, we started. We have our own hospital that that the church started, and that's where I was going to get my surgery." So they said, "Well, we'll take you to the hospital, but you have to have guards." So they took me to the hospital. I spent the night in the hospital with two armed guards sitting outside. I felt like the Godfather. It was really, really cool. 
But my point is that during all those times, in, in that particular case, even though I'm a person who doesn't have patience, the grace of God came on me. And once that happens in your life, once you've gone through a trial, one of the things I think we should be excited about is the grace of God that we've received from the Lord during this time of the pandemic, we can carry that with us by faith for the rest of our lives. Whatever you learned, whatever you gained from God, thank God for it. You know, there's a scripture which I never liked too much. I mean, I love all the scripture. I love all of the word of God. But there's a, I guess, I guess the better way to say it, there's a scripture that always bugged me in James that says, count it all joy when you fall into all kinds of trials. And in Spanish, it's worse. It says, count it sumo gozo. And it's like, count it the highest joy when you fall into all, when you fall into all kinds of trials. And it's like, come on. Like, I don't, you know, but after this pandemic, after receiving the grace of God over and over again, I can say that I, I hope that the next time a trial comes, that I'm going to say, wow, I can count it all joy because I know God's grace is going to be there. I know when it comes upon me, I'm going to carry that for the rest of life. If God is permitting this trial in my life, it's for a purpose because He's going to give me His grace. He's going to cause me to grow in patience. He's going to cause me to grow in character. And that character development, I by faith, and by trusting in Him, I can carry with it with me the rest of my life. Amen? Amen. My weakness, in my weakness, His grace is sufficient. And I want to I talk about hope and, 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 and vision. A good definition for hope is a joyful expectation. And I heard someone once say, and it really, really touched me. If you don't, if there's an area of your life where you don't have a joyful expectation, it could be a sign where the enemy has entered in, where it could be a, 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 a stronghold of the enemy, where he's taken away your hope, where you don't have a joyful expectation, maybe for the future of your marriage, maybe for your children, maybe for your finances, maybe for your health. We don't have a, a real hope for what God wants to do and what God can do by His grace in your life. And many, a few years ago, as I, as I traveled on the Lord, the Lord gave me, a, I believe He gave me a vision. I saw a, 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 a dirty mouth, a really filthy mouth, and out of that mouth were jumping like jumped out like three really ugly, dirty frogs. And, and that was it. And I thought, wow, that's strange. What, is, what does that mean? And then I thought, I think I read that before somewhere. And it's in, it's in Revelations. And it talks about, in Revelations, about the, the false prophet and the beast and the dragon sending out lying spirits into the world. And so I was wondering, wow, what might these lying spirits be in, in this time maybe that's coming up? And I really believe the Lord spoke into my heart and said they were fear, disappointment, and material lust. 
And I believe during this pandemic that we've all been shaken by fear, most of us, by disappointment or disillusionment, and also maybe because of what's going on in the economy, a little bit of materialistic lust to take care of ourselves, to kind of draw back and be reserved in our finances and not be as generous as God might call us to be. And I really believe, and I've seen from the beginning of this pandemic, I really felt in the Lord that it was a time to sow, that it was a time to be generous, that it was a time to, 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 to sow into the people who most were hurting, to sow into the members of the church who were hurting, who were having difficulties in their finances, and around the, the country, the different pastors we were supporting as their churches shut down and they didn't have finances, really sow into their lives and be generous. But it, it kind of broke my heart to see not so much from, from churches in the U.S. because so many people were so generous with us and, and helped us through the pandemic. But in general, I think a lot of the church didn't really come together. I remember when, when I first came, Lord, like I said, we we're talking, always talking about the end times, but it was always like, well, when the end times comes, the church really going to draw together. We're going to get tighter. We're going to, Start supporting and loving each other more. And you're going to see more community as, as times get difficult. And, uh, it didn't necessarily happen, did it? Um, in, in many cases. But I believe that's what God wants for the future. I believe God wants us to get, have grace to stand against because they're lying spirits. It says God did not give us a spirit of fear. And I think there's, there's really a, a, a lie from the enemy that would cause us to fear that would cause us to stand in disappointment or discouragement and, and, and just in, in materialism, selfishness, that we really need to get God's grace to go beyond that, especially for what's coming up in the future so we can enjoy all the, all the blessings and all that God has for us. I want to take, I want to just use as a, that's, that's the end of my, uh, introduction. Um, but my message won't be so long. Uh, we're going to go to Psalm 37 for for um, our, our text today. Psalm 37, four to seven. And and when the Lord put this on my heart, I was so excited to to see it. Almost at the exact same time in the blog, Tim wrote an article about the same exact scriptures. And so I copied uh, his message, and that's what I'm going to give you today. No, so it's a little different, but not a whole lot, because uh, Psalms 37, four through seven, I believe in itself says it all. Let's, let's read it together. Psalms 37, 4 through 7 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as a light, and your justice as a new day. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself. Over the one who prospers in his way. Over the man who carries out evil devices. Amen. Amen. The first verse says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. How important it is in this time to really delight ourselves in the Lord. To really find that that sweet spot of where we're really enjoying the Lord's presence. That we're really delighting ourselves in the way of the Lord and how important that is. I remember 
when there was a time when I really was struggling with reading the Word. It's just like, be reading, just, it seemed like nothing, it was just a dry season, and it was all like, oh, I've got to read my Bible. And, and, and then I came across that scripture where David says, your word is like honey to my lips. And it was like, wow. That would be, I remember when it was like that, but it's not like that now. I, I want that back. And, and, and for about two weeks, that was one of my, that was probably the center of my prayer. Lord, I want your word to be honey to my lips. I want to delight myself in you again. It was, it was a dry period in my life. And after just waiting before God, praying that prayer, that he would do that in my heart, suddenly I got that grace. That grace came back. And, from that, and that was many years ago. And from that time on, when I open the Word of God and read the Word of God, it's honey to my lips. It's a joy to my heart. But I had to get that from the Lord, which is so important that we, we delight ourselves in the Lord. And He gives us the desires of our heart. And I think that goes both ways. Not only will He grant us and bless us with what we are hoping for. And that's really the definition of, of hope, is desire. What are you desiring? What are you passionate about? Saying today about being passionate for God, one of the songs. And I think it's so important that we really are delighting ourselves in the Lord. We're really passionate for the things of God. We're really desiring the things of God. And when we're desiring the things of God, He grants them in our lives. I think he does two things in, according to that, that portion of Psalms. When we're delighting ourselves in the Lord, he will put his desires in our heart. Our heart will match with his heart. And when our heart matches with his heart, and, and our deepest desires are what he's desiring, then he grants us and fulfills the desires of our heart. And what joy that brings to our lives. I'd like to just take a minute to do something that's a little, maybe a little challenging. But I guess to just close our eyes for a minute, bow our heads, and ask ourselves, what is my deepest desire? What are my passions? What am I passionate about for my life, for my future? What what am I excited about for my future? And you know, when I... In the midst of the pandemic, everybody said, well, this is, this is a pandemic. This is, this is a great time. We all are, we're stuck in our house. We can't go anywhere. So this is a great time to get near God, spend time in God's presence, read the Word of God, devote yourself to more time with your, with your, with your family. And I don't, I don't know how you guys did, but in the very beginning, I think I mostly spent time in my recliner watching Netflix. And, uh, and I, I was just kind of burnt out. One reason was that I had, I'd, I, just before the pandemic, I'd had severe back problems. And I was, I couldn't, I couldn't stand for more than 10 minutes. It only, when I, I could barely get into the church from my car, walking with a cane, had to immediately sit down, 
when I, when I got up to preach, I had to grab the pulpit. I could barely stand grabbing the pulpit for 30 minutes. And uh, so that was the length of my messages. The, the, the congregation loved it. They, they really appreciated that. Um, <laughs> but man, it was, it was a difficult time. A few times Marilyn actually had to help me down uh, from the stage. And it was, it was really bad. Had to get wheelchaired for the first time. And I know many of you have had worse situations in your life. But this was happening to me right during the pandemic. Had to get wheeled through, through airports. And that was really humbling, especially with my uh, weight and size. One, I remember one time a little Pakistani girl was wheeling me, and she was like, <gasps> felt so sorry for her. It's like, gosh, how, how embarrassing. And so it was a tough time. Finally, and after six months of this, of not really being able, hardly, not really being able to walk, except for like a hat, just like I said, from the car to the, to the front row and then up to the pulpit, and that was it. Couldn't stand for more than, as soon as I stood up, it was excruciating pain. And so went to the, went to an orthopedic surgeon and, uh, with Marilyn, and he said, well, we can try something, but there's no guarantees. And if you can live the way you're living, then you probably shouldn't get surgery. And Marilyn was there, and she said, no, he can't live the way he's living, because I don't want to take care of him. Um, you know, there's a, saying, there's a saying in Spanish that says, in the, in the house of a silversmith, they eat with wooden spoons. So my saying is, in the house of a nurse, you better learn to take care of yourself. But no, <laughs> she, does a, she does a great job, but it's like, no, you, you should probably get surgery. And so that was, that was a challenge. And it was right during the pandemic, all these things going on, and then you have to, you know, sign the paperwork. It's like, do you want to get intubated? No. Do you want to have a feeding tube? No. It's like, you know, and the doctor, you know, you could get paralyzed. Uh, there's no guarantee you'll be fine. And so as, as I prepared for surgery, the Lord asked me that question that, that I just asked you guys, like, what are you hoping for? I really felt the Lord was like, what are you hoping for? And I went, I think I'm hoping to survive. I'm hoping not to get paralyzed. I'm hoping that, you know, surgery will come out okay. And it was like, I just sensed in my heart, it's like, that's not good enough. That's not really hope. That's kind of, hoping to hang on, hoping to make it through, hoping that I'm not going to get divorced, hoping that my kids are not going to end up being a disaster. You know, that's, that's not hope. But that's all the hope I had. And I really sensed in the Lord that, again, during my time of trial, that God wanted to put something new in my life. And I think He wants to put something new in our lives. I think He wants us to stand against those spirits of fear and disappointment and and really selfishness that could come upon us and really give us a powerful living hope for what God wants to do with us in the future. The next scripture, the next verse says, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. And I believe that's 
so important in our lives during this time when I believe the Lord is ready to act. The Lord is moving. Here, even in the U.S., there's many, many new people coming to the church. It was such, such a blessing to hear the report of the men's meetings and how uh, new men are, are coming in to the church and are excited about what's going on. And I think we as the church need to be excited about what God, through us, has to offer this world as it maybe moves into even greater darkness and greater times of trials. God wants to give us a powerful hope for what He wants to do in and through our lives. And so I, I had a spend. In, in, in my way, I had to finally get out of the recliner, turn off the TV, and, and, and I have to say one thing I want to I share. When I was spending weeks watching Netflix and relaxing and just taking it easy, the Lord said, it's okay. It's okay. Don't, don't be condemned. I love you. You love me. And we're together in this. We have a good, good God. He is so merciful, so graceful. There's no condemnation in Him. And, and He'll have His way in our life if we just say, Lord, help me. Help me in my weaknesses. So I spent about two weeks before the Lord. I, I spent time reading Ecclesiastes and spent time reading Job as I was preparing for surgery and, and just waiting before God. And after, at, at, the, at about the end of, the, of two weeks of spending several hours every morning before God, I just sensed in my spirit the Lord spoke into my heart. And, and I really believe His word for me was, I'm not done with you yet. I, got, I, I still have more for you. And this is going to be healing for your body. And, this, uh, and I, when, when I sensed that in my heart, Hope returned, and I had a hope. It wasn't to just survive. It was a hope that God was going to heal me, that God was going to use this surgery to, bring, to restore health to my body. And now you have to put up for more than a half hour. Because I can, I can stand, I can walk, I can travel. My back is better than it's been in years after years. And that's not normal. But... God has been gracious in my life. And I believe part of that is because He restored hope in my life. And I was able to apply my hope to that. You know, the, there's a, in, Phil, in Philippians 2.13, it says this. Uh, it, 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 and, and I learned this scripture a while back. I, I once attended, before I, before I left, left for Ecuador, I attended a, a Free Will Baptist church. And the, and the, and the pastor, I don't know what his trip was, but it, almost every other Sunday or once a month at least, he would say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And I was like, man, I don't like that scripture. And really, I don't like the whole concept. And, you know, this almost sounds like a made up story, but after hearing that for about three or four months, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's like, man, I don't, I, that's kind of not the way I live, you know. But it seems more like, more like delight yourself in the Lord is kind of my favorite scripture. Uh, and so I, I read it, and you know, I don't know about you, but one, if I if I find a scripture that really troubles me, what I do is is I go to the Greek and try to find a way out. 
So I went to the Greek and looked up fear and looked up trembling, and I didn't get out. Um, but then I felt the Lord speak to my heart and say, why don't you read the next verse? <laughs> Which he's... I've, I, I've heard that several times. And I always it's always good to put stuff in context, isn't it? Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's like, okay, I got it now. It's God who's going to do it. And he's going to give me the will. He's going to give me the desire. And desire is the definition of hope. He's going to give me the hope. He's going to give me the desire. He's going to give me the, the passion to do what he wants, wants in my life. And he's going to give, and the work, the power to do it. And that's so exciting to me to realize that as we, as we trust our way to the Lord, commit our way to the Lord, trust in him, he will act. And he's the one who acts. And all we have to do is trust in Him and put our hope in Him. Verse 6 says, and, and I, I just believe this is a word for the church of what's coming up. This is what God wants to do in His bride. This is what God wants to do in these days, challenging days through us. If we get a hope and get excited about what God's got for us, get excited about what God's for, got for our marriage, for our kids, for our future for the future of living hope, I believe God's going to do great things. And that's what, that's what verse 6 says. It says, He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day. I believe that's what God wants for His church during this time. And I'm, I'm excited about that now, more than I ever have been perhaps. And I've been excited about that for a number of years and have seen God act and do wonderful things. And, and here at Living Hope, you guys have seen God do amazing, wonderful things. As I've seen, been with, been with Tim and worked with Tim since before he came and was a church planner and just so excited when, when, when Tim and Karen came here and seeing the church come together and come together and come together in this beautiful new facility that God has provided that's so wonderful. Not only that it's so beautiful and wonderful, but just the whole concept of working together with the community in the Y and having a facility that's, that's multi-use is just, it's, it's so much the Lord's heart. And God has just graciously and wonderfully put this community, this family, this church together for His purposes in this place. And I'm excited to see as you've moved into having a heart for church planning and as I share, shared with the uh, uh, eldership team, um, the elder team as, and, and their wives and hearing what the desires of their heart were. That's just so exciting because it was, it was like, well, what, what would I share with the leadership team as I came together? And I didn't have really anything to add because God has graciously put on their hearts exactly what He wants to do. And that's what hope's all about. That's what hope's all about. That he would give us that hope. And you know, that's what it says. It was so beautiful when I, when I read that in, um, in Psalms, where it says, wait on the Lord, for, for my hope comes from him. It's a great Psalm in Psalm 67, that our hope has to come from God. Then we can apply our faith. 
the worship team um, come up. So I think we can, during this time, if there's more trials coming, I think God wants to realize that we're probably not going to, we might not do real well when the trial comes. But we should count it all joy because during that trial, God's going to do wonderful things in our heart. And, and Psalm 7, uh, verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And I believe that's where we get our hope. That's where I receive my hope from the Lord. Just being still. Those times during that two weeks where I was just waiting before God, it was just waiting to hear what He would speak into my heart by His Word, by His Spirit, to give me that living, powerful hope. Not just for heaven, because I've got that hope secured, and He reminds me every day that I have eternal life in Him by His blood shed on the cross, and only through His sacrifice for me. But when He reminds me of what He wants to do in and through me. What He wants to do in my marriage. What He wants to do in my family. How many ways He wants to provide for my needs. And lead me and guide me to serve others. And use me. But not just me. I know His church and all of us. During these difficult times, He wants our light to shine as never before. And if we'll be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him, he will, he will give us that, that, that hope. Hebrews, and then Hebrews 11.1 1 really came to light for me as, as, as never before. Hebrews, we've read so many fa- times, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And wow, after the Lord gave me hope for my surgery and healed me, it's like, wow. Just before, really, when I, when I was healed and, and restored, my health was restored, it was like, I never, I've read Hebrews, I've read that, that scripture in Hebrews many, many times during 11.1 and never realized how much faith and hope were connected. How much I really had to have hope to apply my faith with. If, if my hope was only to survive, then I would have faith to apply to survival. But God wanted to give me hope for greater things. And I believe as we look towards the future, God wants to give us hope for wonderful, blessed things that we can apply our faith to and watch Him act. Watch Him bring forth our light and our righteousness. and Just shine. And I know that the church here, as you guys come together and do that, you're going to shine brighter than noonday. And I just want to close with Isaiah 40. 29 and 32, a scripture probably most of us have read over and over again. And I believe it's what the Lord's speaking to us this morning. And maybe we've been weary. Maybe we've been tired. Because it says He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths, even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who wait on, those who, those who expect, those who are, are looking to the Lord, those who wait on the Lord 
will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's what God has for us. Just encourage you to continue to examine your heart. Ask, ask, ask yourself, what are your deepest desires? What are you hoping for? Are those, is that, has that come from the Lord? Has the Lord given you that hope? And ask Him to give you what He wants to do in your life. To show you in your heart. To show you by His Spirit. To show you in, the, in, in His Word what He has for your life. Then apply your faith to that. Wait on Him. And when that wind blows, the move of the Spirit blows in your life, you can just extend your wings and soar like the eagles. Because you have a hope and you've applied your faith to that hope. And you're going to see God act in your life. And I believe we're going to see God act in the church in these in these months and years to come. These are exciting times as we come out of this pandemic of all that God wants to do in our lives. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that our hope comes from you. Thank you, Lord, that you want to take us from glory to glory. Lord, I, I just pray for us that we can learn and we can grow and, and trust you that even in, in times of trials, Lord, we can count it all joy because we know you are working in in our lives. And in order to do that, Lord, help us to commit our way to you. Commit our way to you, that you would be the center of our hearts we be dedicated and devoted to you as never before, Lord. But we want to work out our, 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 our salvation with fear and trembling because we know it is you, Lord. It is only you, Lord, who can give us the desire and the power to do your pleasure, Lord. And that's what we want to do. Do what pleases you, what brings you pleasure, and that it would bring us pleasure and bring glory and honor to you glory and honor to your holy church, Lord. And I bless the church this morning. I bless living hope, Lord. I thank you for the light that they are in this community. I thank you, Lord, and confirm and affirm the vision that you've given this leadership for where you want this church to go. I'm excited about it, Lord, as I've heard the leadership share what you've put in their hearts for the future of this church. And I thank you that you prepared with this facility and with the hearts of the people of, of this congregation for what you're going to do here, God. And I, I bless them and thank you for them in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand as we worship this morning.